Amen. Amen. Can you all do me a favor? Would you guys man standing? We've been sitting for a while here. If you're able to stand and uh, just take a five seconds to stretch a little bit so that I'm not fighting with uh, some tiredness here as you guys are getting ready to preach. Thank you for uh, just an amazing uh, morning team challenge. You guys did an outstanding job. Okay, you can have a seat, please. I'm going to jump right into the scriptures. It's been uh, an amazing uh, month. Uh, amazing may not be the best word. It's been a trying month um, just with sickness with our church family. Uh, a lot of things going on. I, I mentioned earlier, Kina Foreman, she's my administrative assistant, and she's the person who does um, everything here, uh, something like that. Uh, so, and she has been really sick. It got worse and worse over the last uh, two weeks. She's been in the hospital um, to the point where it seemed pretty, uh, pretty serious. They were thinking about moving her to Boston. They weren't sure what it is, and she's, like I said, she's going home today. She wants to thank uh, her church for the love and for the prayers and things are it's not completely out of the woods but things have turned around there same thing with Donna uh, a number of different uh, times they've been trying to fix what's going on with her it looks like she at some point had a heart attack didn't realize it part of her heart was damaged but she's home she's on medication uh, she's doing well and a number of other folks if you if you're part of the email chain for our church, you're, you're probably saying, well, how many of these am I going to get? A new, a new email comes in every uh, hour, it seemed like, with something else to be praying for, for our church family. Well, I think it's uh, not uh, coincidental, because the Lord's providence, um, that we're going to be looking at being a spiritual family this morning. <laughs> being a spiritual family, we're in First Timothy chapter 4, looking at verse 11 on to 5-2. Uh, we've been talking about this series on vision. Uh, where is our church and where are we going? Where have we been? 253 year history. What's God doing right here and right now in this snapshot of our history? And then thinking about the future. Where is God leading us going forward? And we've been looking specifically here at First Timothy. And I want us to look at what it means for us to be a, a spiritual family. That God calls the church, the local church, to be a family. That we're, we're more than a, a, a club. <laughs> we're more than just a group of people who meet. Uh, far more than that, we're a family. Uh, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. Uh, we're united together as one. Look with me. This is 1 Timothy 4, 11 to 5, 2. I'm going to try to be brief this morning, but we read this. Command and teach these things. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the much younger Timothy. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. As we learn here from the scriptures, that God calls the church to be a spiritual family. A spiritual family. Four points in your bulletin. We'll see if we can get through all of it. But if you look first at 4.11 uh, and 12, what do we see? Paul is commanding the younger Timothy um, to take up the mantle, in a sense. Uh, Paul knows that his time is coming to an end, and so he looks to the next generation. And, and you think about it, that's one thing that a family does, right? A family looks to prepare the next generation. 
family is the unit that has kids. Kids grow up in that home. And what do good parents do? They look to the next generation to raise up godly kids to take the mantle for the next generation. Right? So look what we see here in 4.11. He says to Timothy, command and teach these things. So be bold, Timothy. Uh, don't be afraid. Remember, t- Paul has left Timothy in the city of Ephesus, pretty major city in the ancient world, and he's in charge of all the churches, all the local churches in that area. He's put a big responsibility in his hands. And he says, command and teach. Uh, go ahead and step up to the task that God has given you. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth. Now, we know that Paul is older. We know that Timothy is younger. How young is Timothy? We actually don't know. Uh, most people say that he's probably in his 20s. Probably in his 20s. May have been in his 30s. Remember, people didn't live as long back then. Um, so actually, back then it was seen, if you are 40 or older, you were considered an old man or an old woman. Okay, 40 or older was an old man or old woman. Young, under than 40, you were still sort of a youth. Um, I'm 39. And I turned 40 in August. So I guess I'm going to be an old man, right? So <laughs> I'm, I'm still young. Until August 15th, I'm still a young man. I still can t- take this uh, verse and see myself on Timothy's side of the equation. But after August 15th, I guess I'm the old man saying to young people, younger people, you know, go ahead and uh, step up to the plate, I guess is the idea. Uh, no, I, we, we see, you know, it's funny. Um, people still come up to me now and they say, wow, you're kind of young to be a pastor, right? And people did that for years. I'm hearing it less and less now. <laughs> I think it's the gray hair, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's some wrinkles coming in. I, I don't know. I'm not hearing it as often. Um, I am Asian, and they say that Asians don't raisin. You ever heard that before? So uh, I don't, they stay looking young, so I may be 50 and still, still hearing that. But Timothy is a younger man, and he says to him, Don't let people look down on you because you are young. Uh, there are probably people in his congregation who are quite a bit older, 50, 60, maybe even some into their 70s. Uh, and for that day and time, that would be very old, who would look at Timothy and say, what are you going to teach us, young whippersnapper? <laughs> what are you, you going to teach us, grasshopper? You, you're a young guy. What, what do you have for us? And Paul says, I want you, Timothy, to be bold. And I want you to make sure nobody looks down on you for your youth. Now, how does he do that? How does he make sure no one looks down on it? Does he sort of rebuke these people. Hey, what do you think I... Listen to who you're talking to here. This is Timothy. I'm Paul's chosen uh, replacement. And No, not at all. Look what he says in verse 12. Let no one despise you for youth, but set the believers an example. Show it by your actions, Timothy. Let, Let people watch and see how you conduct yourself. And let that speak volumes for who you are. Garner the respect of these older men and older women, perhaps, by the way you act and the way you live. In fact, he covers a whole gamut of areas. He says, set them an example in speech, you know, in your day-to-day conversations. Show spiritual maturity. In your conduct, the way you act that people can see. In your love. You know, it's hard for somebody to look down on you if you love them. <laughs> and you continue to persistently love them. Love these people that you have been entrusted to oversee, Timothy. In faith, let them see that you trust in the Lord in every and every, in each and every situation and in purity. Let there be no area of your life that they can point to and say, Timothy, you know that temper you showed the other day, or you didn't seem to be very pure towards the way you were walking, treating that younger lady, or whatever. Let there be no area they can point to, and in time you will garner, garner their respect calling here, friends, is to look to the next generation. 
Uh, That's what Paul is doing with Timothy. uh, For a very simple reason. Because Paul is going to die. And he knows it. Now, it could be sooner, it could be later. In fact, with all the threats on his life, the many times he's been in prison, he's been whipped and beaten, he's probably thinking it may be sooner. Um, But nevertheless, he knows it's going to happen. And so he knows he needs to look to the next generation. And he looks to Timothy and entrusts him with a big responsibility. This is a huge responsibility, actually. Notice that. Paul isn't saying, I'm going to stay nearby, Timothy, and I'm going to sort of babysit you to make sure you can handle this. No, he's saying, Ephesus, big major city, it's yours. Take care of it until I get back. (laughs) That's a pretty big responsibility. He wants to entrust it to the next generation. I think it's true of us, friends, when we think about us as a church. Uh, One thing to remember is that we're not going to last. Uh, What's going to happen after we're gone? Is, Is there still going to be... A church here. Uh, is there still going to be, is Christianity still going to be healthy and flourishing in the next generation? What are we doing as far as thinking and planning for those who will follow us? As I mentioned, this part of the sermon is about vision. It's about thinking about our church and its future. And I think this is an area of our church that we really need to consider very carefully. Uh, are we preparing the next generation? Are we discipling that, those who will follow us? I mentioned before our church has gotten younger. Uh, quite a bit younger. Uh, we're about one quarter kids now. They're not here. They're all upstairs uh, playing and running around and uh, learning about the Bible and all these different things it's in, in a kid-friendly environment with some amazing volunteers. Uh, so most of our kids are upstairs right now. But nevertheless, what are we doing? Are we preparing the next generation to take the mantle? Uh, one of the things we did last week, uh, yeah, last night, I should say, is we had a concert uh, for a bunch of 20-year-olds. Uh, and I actually got a picture of that. See, there it is. Uh, so our church, actually, our church building transforms pretty well into a concert hall, doesn't it? I mean, that, that's almost hard to believe that's the same building we're sitting in uh, right now. Uh, but, man, it was encouraging to see this younger Christian brothers. Uh, they had two people opening, a, a, a sister named Latreya and a, another young man named Ben. And they did an outstanding job as well. They're, they're looking to serve the Lord. So, so don't, just don't think that Christianity ends with us. You know, sometimes I think we can think that the next generation, they're not interested in God. That was our generation, and now everyone else is just a bunch of heathen. (laughs) No, it's not that way. In fact, some of our brothers here uh, demonstrate their love for the Lord the way God is still at work. Although some of you guys are older than me, so I I still take courage in that. But uh, the Lord's at work. Friends, part of our vision has to be reaching the next generation. We're reaching college-age folks. Are we reaching our teenagers well? Are we discipling them well? And, you know, as, a, as, a, as someone who loves you and who loves this church and, and has been a member of this church, this is an area of growth. This is an area we need to continue to grow in. Uh, are we looking to the next generation? See, sometimes when churches say, I want to reach the next generation, you know what that really is translated into? I want 20-year-olds to come here and do things our way. <laughs> That's not how it works. Are we willing to entrust, as Timothy does, as Paul does with Timothy, another generation of Christians to serve the Lord? First thing a family does is prepare the next generation. Look next at verse 13 and 14. Another thing a church family, a spiritual family does is it values its gathering together. It values its corporate gathering. 
Uh, verse 13, he says, Until I come, so Paul is planning on returning to Ephesus. So Timothy is just taking over for a time. Again, this is Paul's way of sort of discipling him into that role. Let me step back for a while. Let me trust you with some real responsibility. Go ahead and take the mantle for the time being. But I'm coming back. Until then, I want you to keep going. Could be a while, could be months, could be years, who knows. And he says, during that time, I want you to deal well with the corporate gathering of God's people. Uh, God's people get together uh, weekly on Sundays to worship God. And how do I know he's talking about corporate gathering? Look what he tells him to do here. Uh, Yourself to the public reading of Scripture. That's something you do when you're together. Uh, Now keep in mind that most people back then did not own a Bible. Uh, Only the the super wealthy could really have uh, parchments or scrolls and actually have the Old Testament. Um, So they depended very much on public reading of Scripture. Uh, We don't realize sometimes, I think, how blessed we are to have this book. (laughs) Think about that. This book right here in your hands with Old and New Testament bound together in your language, available at any point in time on your shelf, that is something that previous generations, especially back in the first century, it would be a dream come true. They couldn't even imagine having at their access God's Word any time they want to open it up and read it. So he says here, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And then what else? Uh, more than that, to exhortation and to teaching. And I think that's what good preaching looks like, right? Exhortation is when you call people to action. So don't just learn these facts, uh, but do something about it now. Now you've heard the word, put it into play, put it into practice, do something, live it out. And then uh, the other one, teaching, is make sure people you're in, imparting information. You're communicating good doctrine, good theology. The two go together. Are you teaching? So really, this is, this is the, uh, what an early church preaching really looked like. Somebody reading the Bible, somebody exhorting people to obey the Bible, and somebody teaching doctrinal truth. That's what it is. That's good preaching. Are you conveying words? That's what he says. Devote yourself to these things, to this corporate gathering worship. He continues in verse 14, don't neglect the gift you have. So Timothy is uniquely gifted in a way to be a pastor. He's uniquely gifted in a way to be a preacher who brings the word to God's people. He says it's given to you when when the council of elders laid hands on you and gave sort of a prophecy. So there's the whole church, the whole group of leaders putting their hands on Timothy, recognizing him to be sort of the person who's going to bring the word to them. Friends, I wonder, are we, are we gonna val- do we value this corporate gathering when we get together every week? And I know that goes against the flow right now. Uh, it seems like right now churches and Christians in, in particular, and individuals that is, uh, sometimes don't value that corporate gathering. Uh, the idea is, well, I'm a Christian 24-7. So getting together on Sunday mornings is kind of an optional thing. I can do it or not do it. It's really not what it's about. And I would just say, friends, I, I, I get which, the point behind that. We are a Christian 24-7. Gathering together on Sunday mornings is, is not everything. But nowhere in Scripture will you see a downplaying of that gathering together of God's people. It's extremely important. And I think that mentality of saying we can worship God anywhere and everywhere, we don't need to be gathered together, uh, which is true in one sense, but I think that mentality that sort of moves us away from the church is not the spirit of Scripture, but the spirit of this age. God's people get together. Friends, I would hope, thinking again of our vision, that this get-together, this gathering once a week, would be the highlight of your week. (laughs) I would hope that we were looking forward, we're eagerly anticipating this time together as God's people to sing and to pray 
and to hear the word and to celebrate and to be in fellowship with one another. Maybe that's true for some of you guys. I think it's true for me. I hope it's, I want it to be more and more true for all of us that this is what we delight in, being together to worship the Lord. In fact, the word church means gathering. Ecclesia means a congregation, an assembly together. So when people say, I don't need to go and be with a group of people to be a part of the church, well, by definition, you kind of do. That's what the word means. It means God's people who are gathered together. Now, obviously, we're the church all the time, even when we leave, but that gathering is extremely important. I think about our vision. I hope that we, we always recognize the importance of getting together in the future. Now, I don't know where that's going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line. It may not be in this building. Uh, it, it may be in another location. It may not be with this group of people. I mean, we don't know when the Lord calls us home and who he's going to add to our number. Or somebody has to move away or whatever it is. But I pray, I would hope that our gatherings together not only remain to be a central part of our week, but more than that, that they become more and more awe-inspiring in our worship. Deeper and deeper in our fellowship and reaching out to one another in our relationships. More and more about self-sacrificial service. Willing to come, give up your time, your energy, your effort, your resources to serve God's people, God's kingdom. Encouraging ministries like Teen Challenge. Encouraging missionaries who come to visit us. But also about outreach as well. That open-hearted outreach. That when a newcomer comes, that they're welcome here. And especially if somebody comes who's not a Christian yet, that if they come, that they feel here loved and cared for, that they, in a sense, feel the love of Christ before they even know and understand it mentally among God's people. We value this gathering together that we have. What else does a family do with one another? Look with me at verses 15 and 16. They recognize the importance of progress. They know they're on the journey. They're growing together. Verse 15, he encourages Timothy. Timothy, practice these things. Practice these things. So keep, keep at work at these things. When you practice something, you haven't perfected it yet. That's the idea. You're, you're working on it still. So get better and better. Maybe Timothy wasn't a great preacher yet. Keep preaching, Timothy. Keep at it. Keep going. You have the gift, but it's going to take some time to develop it. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Devote yourself to them that all may see your progress. So do this in front of everybody so they can see your spiritual progress, Timothy. You're still in progress. Nobody has arrived yet. Nobody has said, I've reached the full extent of my spiritual maturity. I have nowhere else to go. If you, if you believe that about yourself, friends, you have not understood this calling to be like Jesus. We have a long way to go. We're all growing together. Interesting enough, verse 16, he says, keep watch on yourself. So morally, uh, you know, make sure you're walking with the Lord and on the teaching. So it's two different things. Make sure your life is, is following Christ and is displaying the, the love of Christ, but also your teaching. And make sure what you're teaching is sound and true. Um, notice, either, both of those areas are areas where if you go wrong, it, it affects the whole church, right? As a pastor or as an elder. Uh, if your life goes wrong, even if you are sound doctrinally, but you're not living it out, uh, whether you're putting your hand in the financial cookie jar, <laughs> or you're you know, having a difficulty uh, with, with uh, dealing with pornography on your own or something like that, that's going to affect the entire church. So he's saying, watch your life, but also your doctrine. Uh, when you start to set, get wishy-washy in what you believe, and you're no longer firm on the clear teachings of Scripture like 
Jesus being the way of salvation and the only way of salvation and the scripture being our authority. And when we begin to lose those things, it affects everybody, not only ourselves. Look what he says in verse 16. Keep a close watch on these things. Keep a watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Now, you might hear that and say, what do you mean save yourself and your hearers? I thought Jesus saves us. (laughs) And I thought Jesus is the only one who can save people. Uh, Of course he is. However, he often, God often uses means. He uses means to do that. My guess is, you know, if you're a Christian here, I don't assume everybody is. If you're not, that's okay. In fact, we're glad you're here. You decided to join us. But if you are, God used somebody, maybe even a group of people, to bring you to faith. Right? He used means. Maybe that was Billy Graham. How many people, maybe, I'm going to ask the question. How many people were brought to faith by the ministry of Billy Graham? All right, good, good few folks here. Uh, maybe it was a brother who came to faith in Christ. Uh, a little, I mean, a, you know, a biological brother. That was my case. Uh, maybe it was a church or a local pastor. Uh, or maybe it was a, somebody, a friend who shared the gospel with you. Someone maybe you didn't even know very well. But God used a means to bring you to faith, right? Well, in the same sense, he's saying, uh, God also is providentially over all things. And sometimes it's a means that pushes people away from the faith. Uh, whether that's an unwelcoming church and a mean-spirited church. Uh, whether that's some, a Christian that you know, that somebody at least who claims to be a Christian and doesn't display it, pushes people away from the truth. So he's recognizing the importance of the means God uses to bring people to faith. And he says to Timothy, watch out, Timothy. If you continue in faithful living and faithful doctrine, you'll save both yourself, you'll persevere to the end, but also those you're ministering to. The importance, though, of recognizing that people see the progress of Timothy's life. Uh, that, that he's growing. Uh, that he hasn't arrived yet. That he's getting better and better. Um, I actually appreciated Vinny's uh, testimony because he was here a year ago. And he was test- I think he gave a testimony then. Uh, but then he recognized that, hey, I've, I've fallen since then. I've ran into, I came back into sin. What happened? I'm getting back in. And he used, God used some brothers to grab him and almost throw him in the van to get him back, which is great. Uh, it's a process. Let everybody see your progress. Uh, if you had a church full of only mature Christians, let's say there's a church of 100 people, and every Christian there is a mature believer, I would say you have an unfaithful church. <laughs> because if every Christian is a mature believer, they're not reaching new people. Uh, there should be people at all different levels. Uh, there should be people who are brand new to the faith and don't know the difference between the Trinity and, and Unitarianism and they're still trying to figure this out and they're, they're, they want you to explain it to them. And I remember there was a Bible study where a lady, uh, she had received Christ as her Savior and somebody explained the Trinity to her and she said, I didn't believe that, but now I do. I mean, that's great. She, it wasn't that she didn't believe it. No one had explained it to her yet. She just needed to, to come to an understanding of what it was. Everybody's in a process. They're, they're growing. They're learning. Paul says to Timothy, let everybody see it. Let everybody see your growth. And when I think about our church, friends, I hope we're continuing to grow. I hope we're continuing to grow. We, we don't inherit spiritual growth from the previous generation, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, we have a wonderful and remarkable history of 253 years, and God has done some amazing things in the past, but we don't get to inherit that. Every year, every, every generation is responsible to continue on in the gospel to persist in it, to 
practice these things and to mature. And I hope that's true of us, friends. I hope we're regularly growing. Uh, Growing means growing pains at times. It means making some changes to reach the next generation. It means looking to disciple people who are new to the church and giving up your comfort. I had a pastor friend who said uh, he was a young pastor brought in to sort of give some uh, revitalization to this older church. Uh, I think most of the people in the church were probably over 70. Uh, and he worked for a while there. Um, and he said, look, you know, we're going to have to make some changes after a while. He said, if we really want to grow and reach the next generation. And the church basically said, we would rather die comfortably. And he left. I hope that would not be the case for us. I don't believe it's the case. it has not been the case. I hope it would not be going forward either. That we're willing to do what it takes to reach the next generation. We're doing, we're doing do whatever it takes to continue to progress and to grow, to follow Jesus until we're with him. Keep watch on yourself and on our teaching. Persist in this and in doing so you'll save both yourself and your hearers. And then fourthly, a spiritual family values healthy relationships. I love this verse in chapter 5, verse 1, because it, in many ways it reflects my own experience right here at, at this church. I've been a member of this church for a long time, four, since I was 14 years old. And uh, this has been my church, stint away out in Chicago for a while, but this has been my church family. This is what he says, uh, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Actually, that uh, command, do not rebuke, is the sole command in this verse. And really, it's in these uh, first two verses, actually. And it's carried out to all these relationships. So do not rebuke uh, an older man. Don't rebuke an older woman. Don't rebuke a a brother or sister. That's the command in this section here. And he's saying, friends, uh, these older men, particularly think of those older men who are looking down on Timothy. Who are saying, you can't teach me anything. You're too young. Or uh, they don't show respect for his, uh, his calling here. He's saying, don't rebuke them, Timothy. Don't be harsh with them. Don't yell at them. How do you treat them? As a father. How do you treat your own father? Yes, there's a time maybe where you and your father are, are not in agreement and where maybe you need to talk to your father about something, but you do so with the utmost respect. He's your dad. He's your father. You love him. You respect him. That's how he's encouraging to treat older men in the church. Younger men as brothers. Uh, so not as uh, slaves or servants or people beneath you, but as brothers. On the same level with you, Timothy. Show a love to them and a, a unity with them as well. Older women as mothers. Um, I, uh, I uh, never had a... My grandparents passed away when I was pretty young. My gran- I never met either of my grandfathers. I had one grandmother that I knew and she passed away. But I didn't have a particularly close relationship with her. But I feel like in this church, I got a whole bunch of grandmothers. <laughs> I had a bunch of grandmothers who love me and treat me like a grandson. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed in that, that way. I feel like I got a whole bunch of grandmothers and really a whole bunch of, of grandfathers in this church. And uh, that's been a blessing to have, have what I didn't have in the, in the biologically I've had in this church. Just a bunch of older folks who have really shown great love and compassion towards me. I had mentioned, was it a week or two ago, that I, don't, I would be okay retiring or dying in this church. And uh, one of the older ladies in the church said, uh, I hope you do. I hope you, I hope you die in this church. No, no, she said, I hope, I hope you do retire. I hope you do stay here right to the end, or at least to the end of my life, she said. So uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Um, we are called to be a spiritual family. That's what the church is by definition. Jesus said this. Uh, Jesus looked around at those who were following him, his disciples, and, when he, and his mother and his brothers came and actually 
his mother and his brothers uh, were trying to take him away, basically saying, you're getting too big for your britches, come home. Uh, it was not a good motive there. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? And he looked at those around him and said, those who do the will of God is my mother, my brothers, and my sisters. The spiritual. He viewed the church, God's people, as that spiritual family with one another. You think about how big this world is. Uh, you can't know everybody. Actually, uh, there's 7 billion people or so in this world. That's pretty enormous, actually. 7 billion. Uh, I mean, uh, just to give you a sense, look, we, we have our first 100 billionaire. I don't know if you know that. Jeff Bezos of Amazon has over $100 billion. That number is incomprehensible. Just to think of it this way, you cannot count to a billion. If you're a kid, whoever's the youngest one in our, our congregation, brought this little girl in the, near the front, the young, if she spent the rest of her life counting every single day, until whenever 80, 90 years old, 100 years old, she would not even come close to counting to one billion. <laughs> That's how big a billion is. It's, it's almost, our minds can't even grasp how big a number that is. And there's seven billion people in this world. Uh, there's no way you can know them all. And there's no way you can have a relationship with them all. But actually, about, I think you can have a relationship with about a thousand people, really. Uh, so even celebrities, they don't really have a relationship with all these people. They can only really have a relationship with maybe a thousand people. And out of that thousand, you can only really know about a hundred of them pretty well. And out of that hundred, you probably only know about ten of them really, really well as close friends. Well, friends, what is your local church? It is that group, that spiritual family, that hundred people who know you and who you know. And what is that community group with that ten people that you know even better and even closer? Treat them as brothers and as sisters. Treat them with love. I notice he mentioned specifically or with sisters in all purity. Uh, why does he say that? For obvious reasons. Uh, well, he's a young man. He's single, as far as we know. When he relates to younger women in the church, do so, as he says here, in all purity. Treat them as you would a sister. Uh, I've heard it said before that adultery in the church is the same as incest, <laughs> when you think about it, because this is your sister in Christ, whom you're to love and to cherish. This is a spiritual family. Again, when I think of our church and where God is calling us into the future, and, uh, the future is in His hands, but we're prayerful, we're planning under the guidance of His Holy Spirit and looking to see what He has for us next. And think of our, even next week as we look at the budget, as we look at uh, the upcoming year and what God has for us, we're thinking, we, we plan this uh, for the future, but look to God. We want to reach our city. And we would love to grow. We'd love to see in this congregation, I don't mean this room, I mean this family, uh, healthy families grow. <laughs> Right? I mean, if your family's, your kids eventually, you know, you get married and you have kids, so that's one way you grow. Your kids grow up, they get married, and your family grow. Then you have grandkids, and then the family grows even more, right? Healthy families grow. That's what they do. Well, as, we, as a spiritual family, let's hope we're also creating spiritual children and that people are coming to faith in Jesus. But regardless of whatever our size is, um, we're, we're maybe average. We're a little on the large side um, for the average size church. I think the average size church in the country is 70 people. Uh, so we're on the large side for that. We're even really on the larger side for New England. I think the average church here is much, much smaller than that even. Uh, but however big we become, I hope we never stop being a family. I hope I never stop seeing you guys as my brothers and as my sisters, as my mothers and as my fathers. I hope we maintain that level of love and unity towards one another. He views the church as a Jesus-centered spiritual family. 
Friends, I'm excited about the future, trusting that the Lord is the one who's leading us, I'm grateful for the way he's used our church to make an impact, I'm grateful for folks like Teen Challenge that we get to partner with and the work he's doing through them and that we get to have them come once a year and just update how God's doing, what new things God's doing in people's lives and we get to support them and pray for them and encourage them. I'm grateful for recently the partnership we had with Calvary Baptist Church, uh, which has got their new pastor just a block away, uh, a historically African-American church, us historically Anglo church, and those walls have been broken down, uh, not only between the two churches, but right here uh, in our own congregation. Grateful for what God is doing and giving us diversity of age, uh, like I said, becoming one-quarter children. (laughs) Grateful for what God has done and providing us an amazing and godly staff. Uh, one of whom we spent a couple weeks in the hospital, as he said, and the Lord has been merciful. We had a mighty prayer meeting last Wednesday, begging the Lord for healing, and I think he's heard us, uh, not just for Kina, but for others as well. Uh, grateful for the concert last night that we're opening our doors to, the, to other younger Christians in the community and saying, come, come and, and let's partner together. Uh, we're all on the same team. We've got a great big world we're trying to reach for Jesus, and there's no need for us to do it separately. Let's all do it together. Uh, grateful for First Baptist for all of its long history and all the beautiful things God has done over the years. Grateful for what he is doing right here in our own generation and excited and trusting the Lord for what he has for us going forward. Would you pray with me? Well, our gracious Father, thank you so much for your presence with us this morning. Thank you for just the incredible testimonies we heard earlier Thank you for encouraging us, Lord, in song and and, um, hearing our brothers sing, listening and singing along and thinking about the 10,000 reasons we have to praise you. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless us uh, as your people, as a church family. Uh, continue to uphold us, Lord, as we said. These are, it's been a trying month, April. Kind of glad that it's over. <laughs> um, looking forward to the next step of what you have for us and looking for your blessing, looking to you, Lord. We want to be a church that is truly, sincerely laying our lives before you, putting it on the altar and trusting your leading. Lord, do mighty and great things through us as your people. Help us to follow you in faithfulness, to continue to do ministry, and mission work around the world, and do it all for the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we close, I'm going to invite Team Challenge to come up to do one final song for us. So.